The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, welcome into another episode of Story World. Steve Schramm here with my boy Al. What's up, man? Boy Al is doing just fine, Steve. How you doing? Nice, man. Doing good. Doing super good. Really excited to talk about space, the final frontier. These yeah. are the voyages of the Story World podcast. Anyway. Um, wow. Yeah, man. a nerd already. Right? Totally. <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's, it's exciting, man. We talked about Star Trek a few episodes back and me and Alex just kind of thought, hey, you know, space is something that in different ways we both kind of have this irrational obsession with or love for at least. And um, so we thought, hey, why not talk about it, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's as far as like general interests, you and I are kind of aligned. But when it gets into the specifics, we're very actually quite different on yeah, our different interest subjects. But for some reason, space is the one thing where you and I just like click on and anything with space yeah. just fascinates both of us. So I'm uh. Really excited to get into it and talk about what uh, gets you going about space, what gets me going about space, and just all the cool intricacies of it. Yeah, well, I think maybe, to, you know, to set it up kind of to start with, for sure, because it's kind of like space, like, isn't this the Story World podcast? Well, if you notice in our, I must say, beautiful podcast artwork, uh, <laughs> space is a, a theme in there. And, of course, that's not... Um, that's not by accident. I mean, I, you know, I would say a couple, you know, two really quick things because like i said we're tying this into stories first of all um space is very much of course a part of the human story which we'll talk about a little bit um but it you know it's 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 a very inspiring in fact part of being a human is our our past journeys to space and our future opportunities to travel to space so uh it's part of the human story and therefore it's related to stories um but also there just are some really really great books movies and you know, again, real life things that are, you know, story driven things about space. And so it's like, I think space is very applicable to the story world podcast. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what we've done before too, in the past, and probably similar for this one, and what um, we'll continue to do is have a general podcast like this about space. And then there are several podcasts we'll have in the future that dig down into different story related ideas about space, whether it has to do with a different ancient cultures and how they viewed space and how that evolved their storytelling. Or I know it's getting down Steve's alley too, but I have an interest for is um, um, writers in the Bible or uh, the Israelites and what they viewed space as and how that, you know, kind of formed their <laughs> thoughts on different I things love that. the Bible. Like so, yes. So yes, this general topic, we might not um, hone in on anything specifically story related. We'll touch on it. But really just kind of give this overview for when we do branch out to those specific topics uh, into the future. Yes, yes. I love reading about ancient Israelite and Mesopotamian cosmology. Yes. It's, uh, it's, 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 uh, some people read Karen Kingsbury, some people read J.K. Rowling, and some people read Mesopotamian cosmology. 
Oh, no, that would be me. Okay, that would be yeah. me. So it's fun. Um, it's really good stuff. So, um, I think for me, I guess I'll just kind of start off here, and and we'll we'll travel down some of these roads together. But but for me, my sort of space origin story really starts when I was a, a kid, and this is something I know we're going to get to. But um, just to kind of preframe a little bit, uh, I think you told me that actually your interest in space came a little bit later. So this is one of those details that we sort of differ on, but mm-hmm. we ended up in a very similar. Uh, place. Uh, for me, I would really say there are three things that that really piqued my interest in space from a young age. And it's probably those three things that made me um, or that I guess, you know, gave me that interest so that I still have it today. And, and today it's even more so. Um, those were Power Rangers in space. Okay. So <laughs> Power, Power Rangers Turbo. Which in reality. Was, Good stuff. Yes. Uh, Power Rangers uh, Turbo, which was one of my very favorite Power Ranger series. Actually, ironically, my kids are watching it literally right now across the hall. So that's pretty nice. cool. Anyway, Power Rangers Turbo. And those, if you know anything about your Power Rangers, your Power Rangers Turbo went into your Power Rangers in space. Okay, so the Turbo Rangers minus one went into space. They picked up a new Ranger when they got there kind of thing. And then you're going nice. on from there. So um, I just love, like, I thought, oh, man, that's really, really cool. Um, the other thing was... Uh, Kennedy Space Center. So my mom, um, so actually like my, my family has really loved space stuff for quite some time. My grandparents, um, fun fact, were in the crowd and took pictures on their own camera when the Challenger exploded in like 1989, I think that was, or 86, somewhere around there. When the Challenger exploded, they have pictures of it. Um, so they were there? They were there, yeah. They were there at the launch. How many, when how many happened. people attended that? Because I've seen footage no of like people actually being there witnessing it and it yeah. doesn't it, it doesn't look like a overly crowded group of people no i don't know to be honest with you i, I have no idea but they were That's there crazy wow and, yeah they were there and took pictures mm-hmm. and um so uh anyway my so we used to go to disney a lot i was very very fortunate you know that's one thing that my mom just sort of always made room in the budget for and time for uh, was to go to disney and so we would go to disney a lot and of course near it's about an hour or so, hour and a half maybe, uh, drive from the Orlando area to um, uh, Cape Canaveral, Kennedy Space Center, and all that stuff. Um, so, uh, not Cape Canaveral specifically, but but the Kennedy Space Center. And so, um, at the Kennedy Space Center, you you there's a lot of like old retired like rockets and shuttles and all that stuff, and you can um, learn all about space. It's like a public uh, you know place where you can go and learn all about um, uh, space. So that was really interesting. And then the other thing for me growing up was Apollo 13, the movie Apollo 13, which I think we've hit it at before uh, at other times on the podcast. We talked about it, uh, but it's definitely one of my favorite movies and, uh, um, you know, watched it growing up and, you know, still continue to love watching it today. And those three things I would say really contributed to my just irrational love for space. Yeah, that's, it's interesting. Uh, all that stuff makes sense where you would naturally kind of gravitate towards finding an interest in those things. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of ironic too because like one of them, Power Rangers is purely fictional. Kennedy yeah. Space Center is like purely based in reality, and then Apollo thirteen is of course a, a, a fictional movie based on a real thing that happened, right? So it's kind of I don't interesting. Know, interesting, yeah. Yeah, I think I got started into it later for a couple different reasons. Growing up, um, didn't have I. I I guess I was into Power Rangers when I was super, super young, but I don't remember it because I was so young. And so Power Rangers didn't lead me to that, unfortunately, Steve. That could have just been another thing we had in common, but oh well. Yeah. This opportunity. 
Um, I did watch uh, Star Wars was very big for me growing up. There were things that I've watched that took place in space, but I was more gravitated towards Lord of the Rings and fantasy side of things. And then I also spent a lot of time uh, just naturally reading and then also playing sports. Sports took up a huge time when I was a kid and teenager in high school. And so I, I think I probably would have gone into it more if I actually enjoyed maybe sci-fi as much as I did fantasy. But sci-fi, and even now, I'm kind of choosy with what I watch for sci-fi and space things. I like more reality-based stuff. Like, uh, obviously, it's not, we had a podcast on a couple weeks ago, but uh, like Interstellar is obviously saw not some reality things in there. But that is uh, more or less uh, tuned towards what space travel could be like versus um, something like Star Trek, where it's, uh, you know, that's yeah. obviously very much heavily sci-fi. So what really got me into it, um, I would say the main thing is I, I don't forget. I don't remember specifically around the time it, it was sometime either around college or just after college where, um, I definitely had a general, um, kind of fascination for space and reading some different facts about it, but what really got me invested in it was, um, just listening to debates and listening at different arguments for the existence of God. I'm um, not even, um, not even, um, the Christian, you know, God and Jesus, but just for existence for a creator, a God of the universe. And so one of my favorite, um, arguments for it was the, uh, cosmological one. And I always, and so that just kind of gravitated me towards looking into more space facts and, um, just the scope of the universe and how it operates and how it all came to be. And, um, and so I dug down into, you know, hours of hours of hours into, you know, studying the kind of factual side of those things and kind of the nerdy bit, but then also along the way, stumbling upon just really cool facts. Um, I just, what really blew me away, I guess, from the fascination part that really suckered me in was just the scope and size and yeah. how everything truly is just relative once you get out of the space of earth and out of the solar system. Um, yeah. The size of suns compared to other suns or black holes compared to suns or galaxies compared to other galaxies. I mean, it's all you can say numbers of how large some of these things are and like, the distance between different things. And it you can say, wow, that's a big number, but your brain really can't truly comprehend how big some of these things are. And so anyway, that it just kind of fascinated me. And that's kind of where my general fascination and um, yeah, excitement about, about space came through. And that was about the time where Interstellar yeah. came out. And so that kind of helped a lot. Oh, cool. Well, I, I think uh, real quick then, I'll I'll kind of rabbit trail a little bit further into yep. sort of the um, realistic religion version uh, or or religion sort of idea of things. And then we can, we can back out of that because I know some people won't necessarily be interested in that. Um, just the other day, so one of the, um, you know, probably the foremost defenders of the cosmological argument that you mentioned today is William Lane Craig. Yep. Just the other day I was mentioning, or I was, uh, rather I was watching, um, a, a clip uh, of him talking about scientists' belief in God, and you know, the point of the clip was was to show that based on sociological studies, actually today, um, you know, the rate has maintained pretty constant um, in terms of actual, like you might call, you might say, secular scientists who, um, are not not secular scientists mainstream scientists right they they do science not for any particular religious reason they just they're just scientists but they're also christians uh, or or religious in some way and um sociologically that number hasn't changed so as we've increasingly learned more about science like you know there's sort of this popular idea that 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 scientists be, are becoming like less 
Christian or less theist or whatever. And that's actually not true. The, the rates are, you know, about the same. And he went on, uh, oops, I just hit my microphone there. Um, he went on to mention um, some specific names. And I didn't write them down, but some specific names of contemporary cosmologists and physicists mm. um, who are some of the best and best known and are actually quite vocal about their um, convictions as Christians. Um, and which is, which is really, really interesting. It kind of like, you know, it, it, it sort of defeats the narrative that all scientists are basically just atheists, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, and, and so I found that interesting. And you mentioned the size and scope. And and that's where I again I I just I look and I'm just like it just seems so obvious that this is like there's there's got to be some sort of purpose there's got to be some sort of direction you know behind this it seems it seems odd that you would have all of this and it would just come from nothing um, from nowhere for no reason nobody designed it nobody developed it and uh, what's interesting is that some people have strangely been led to the opposite conclusion i remember you know carl sagan if you uh, ever saw the series the you know the cosmos um you know this was sort of carl sagan's baby and he used to talk about you know earth being the pale blue dot and sort of the idea that he was getting from that was like you know basically humans are just insignificant you know we're we're just this one little insignificant thing on this on this pale blue dot um and why think that that there's a God out there who created us, cares about us, loves us or whatever, when you've got this whole vast universe. And the thing is, what's interesting is, is I think back in his day, and I'm not sure exactly when he died, but, but back in his day, I think there was a lot more optimism and hope that, frankly, that extraterrestrial something or other would be, you know, we would know about it by now. We would have uh. knowledge of alien life by now and other civilizations even, and at least other habitable planets. And here we are, at the very least, a few decades, I believe, removed from his death, maybe even longer than that. And the prospects are only becoming more grim. Um, and so and that begs also for some sort of an explanation. And so uh, this is an, another reason I love space. And to, and to sort of capstone my um, thinking down this road, I, I, I have speculations um, because I do, too, wonder what it's for. What is what is why all these planets? Why all these stars, you know, if there is a God, I, be I believe there is, um, it, it does seem, I'll admit, kind of odd that um, we know about all this stuff. We can take awesome pictures of it. We, um, we, can, we can grasp with not obviously a t like, like a, the full spectrum of knowledge, but we can, we can grasp the size and immensity of it. Um, you know, t today with, with, you know, pretty accurately using the, the equipment that we have. And, you know, we're aware of quite a bit of stuff out there and yet it seems to just be, you know, us. Um, and my personal speculation is that um, the, the, you know, most people think of heaven as this sort of whatever pie in the sky, lofty thing floating on clouds with harps. Well, that's not anywhere near a biblical description of, of heaven, but my, my speculatory part of this is, you know, I wonder if one of these days at, at the end, you know, in the final resurrection, whatever, at the end, in the end of days and the, the, the current earth and heaven are destroyed or whatever and made new, like the Bible talks about. I wonder if we're all going to each get our own planet. I'll, that's all I'm saying. I just want to know if I'm going to get to be the governor of a planet 
And um, I think that would be really cool if planets turned out to be like little individual homes for everybody. You get like, like Oprah, right? You get a planet. You get a planet. You get a planet. Anyway, that's just what I would love. But, well, I, I, good good news. There's a uh, there's an organization at West called LDS, um, and you can uh, and you know they you're interested in ruling a planet one day. I'm just saying that just just oh, that's good, just scoot that's, out there. Scoot that's out there. almost that's almost not even funny. Uh, but I'll, I to, that was that any, was actually pretty. To good. any LDS people who actually maybe listening to, I grew up parsing in the LDS church. Love you guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No problem. Just a just an off the cuff joke. I, that was pretty good. It was actually pretty good. If you if you don't know, you don't know. So if it's okay. You don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I do think the glory of God is yeah. revealed in the heavens, and I'm I love that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Um. I, I feel like that this is a topic you and I should do. I feel like you and I could sit down for like maybe three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours about this. So just to kind of <laughs> yeah yeah to uh, keep uh, yeah. my response to yours um brief. Yeah, I've always. Again, this is just my personal opinion that I think that space, the universe is out there for um, just even a longer, um, greater purpose, I guess you can say, beyond um, our existence here and in our bodies right now. Um, 100%. Maybe it's not. Who knows? Maybe all of this will go away and then it's just something totally new. But um, yeah, that's just kind of what I, that's just my personal opinion, what I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's um, just that the more that I studied, just the space and just the complexity of it. And then it gets into more science and what actually applies to earth too, not just in space, but you know, just the laws of, of nature. Um, yeah, I just, um, for me, just seems pretty clear that someone had to <laughs> create all that. Um, I suppose it could have all come from nothing, but again, that's more speculative than looking at a realistic, uh, um, beginning in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that's kind of where I got into it. And then from there, Honestly, I haven't, um, after kind of having that established, like kind of initial base, um, it kind of, uh, you know, branched out from there. And now really, like I haven't listened to a debate from William Lane Craig in a long time, Craig in a long time. And really now it's just kind of a pure interest thing. We're like looking at facts. I like, uh, looking at new images of uh, telescopes that come out from NASA and other, you know, um, other organizations and watching, uh, sci-fi movies and, uh, it's just a great fascination that I have. I, I just tell it, Steve and I were talking and I was, uh, told my wife, I said, you know, like, it'd be kind of cool if I could just like die on Mars one day, you know, I'll, once I get up there in age, I'll just take one of those final voyages, travel, you know, eight months to a couple of years, how long it takes to get there and, uh, take my last breaths on a, uh, planet looking out at earth. I think that would be uh, kind of cool. 100% man. Absolutely. Great, but yeah, that kind of covers, uh, my interest with it. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I would say uh, I have a, a couple more things. I mean, kind of along those lines is, um, uh, you know, space travel, right? Just the, the future of like what SpaceX is doing, talking about going to Mars and, you know, at, like <laughs> there's the possibility. Musk has talked about the possibility of um, manned trips to Mars um, mm -hmm. by 2029. I think yeah, it's, it's exciting, which is, which is huge. I mean, even if he's wrong by a little bit, you know, cool, you know, like it, the fact that it, it could even be somewhat speculated oh, as yeah. being that close. It's pretty insane <laughs> to, you know, to think about it. It's like, it really does feel like the next chapter of the human story is upon us in that 
in that regard. Now, to, to, well, to kind of link this to story too is um, think about so when we went to the moon and what was it was it sixty eight or sixty nine or it, it was it was late sixty it was one of those years give or take yeah See, um, I, think. I, I believe it was um, yeah. regardless of the exact year um, two things there how I just think it's crazy that with the limited amount of technology we had there we still went to the moon. I know there might be conspiracy theorists that disagree with right. and maybe you guys are right, but just how incredible that is. And yeah. you think of all the stories out there just based off of that fact, uh, just being able to have that space travel. There were sci-fi movies like before that and other sci-fi movies will come that don't directly relate to traveling to the moon. But think of like uh, um, Armageddon or movies like that, disaster movies and other things where you have so many of these stories, whether it's books or movies and conversations about, well, what if this comet does hit the earth? Could we, you know, send a shuttle up there, or break it up? And all of that, the realistic stuff that we talk about and movies that we see derive from what we've done actually in history with traveling to the moon and orbiting the earth and being able to do all yeah. that awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Actually, it's one of the points that I had written down as well. Oh, I'm, well, there you go. I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm amazed at, um, how early we figured this stuff out. Um, you know, the, the fact that manned flight was achieved in 1903. Um, oh, yeah. And it's like, we, we, we barely, we just <laughs> you barely took up, uh, took up off the ground, took off up, took, took off, whatever we took off. <laughs> I took off from the ground for the first time, Yeah, you know, in 1903. And how long did it take to quote unquote perfect that? 20 years, something like that. Yeah. I don't even, that. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know, but yeah, but then, uh, you know, just six decades later, yeah. seven, six, seven, six, seven decades I, later, we're at the moon. Like, you know, that's crazy. And so like, yep. I, I remember watching um, Hidden Figures. So Hidden Figures is a fantastic movie about um, the um, about the computers. Mm -hmm. OK, the, the computers that took you that that helped with these early space missions and, and getting even to the moon and back, et cetera. And when I say computers, note, I'm not talking about a machine. I'm literally talking about people who computed. They, that, <laughs> that's that's what they were like. Like you saw the sign on the door that said computers, yeah. and then when you went through the door, there were humans there, and <laughs> a lot of these humans were like like black females. And yeah. I'm just like, man, this is so cool. Um, but the movie Hidden Figures tells all about this, and it follows us. There's one. Well, woman, there's three women, but there's one like really specifically who's like super decorated or whatever. Um, she just passed away actually a few years ago, I believe now. Um, but it's an incredible story just about all the all the math and calculation and computation that used to have to be done even by hand. And then, of course, the computers back then, the actual machines were huge, um, you know, that were developed after that. And I think, again, I don't know if this is just pop culture fiction stuff or whatever but I've, I've heard over and over again this idea that literally an iphone in your pocket has more computing power you know than what it took to go to the moon and back um mm, which yeah. is which is just like again mind, mind blow yeah. kind of stuff so i'm always just amazed at, at how you know early actually we figured out some of this stuff and and um how quickly we were able to to get as far as we were it uh i'll admit it raises interesting questions about <laughs> 
well, like, why was the last time we went to the moon, you know, basically 50-ish years ago? I mean, I know we went, I, I, I think yeah. there was, I don't know, believe it or not, I don't actually know my manned missions we, that I well. we've gone, like, three or four times. Yeah, but not, like, it's been a long time, It's been a right? long time. Since we've been, and it's like, if this was so, you know, like, why haven't we been back? 1972. Was the last time? Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, at least not about this, but... You know, I do think we went to the moon, but I'll 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 grant that what it has it been that so is that fifty years? Am I doing yeah. my math? I I actually understand. Yeah. I don't get the flat Earth thing, but I actually understand where people question why we land the moon. I actually sure. do understand that one. Sure, do, yeah, it's yeah, really crazy. It really seems like we should have been there in the last fifty years. Well, I mean, that's a long time. The first time we had flight to going to the moon is. A little bit longer than the time since we've gone to exactly. the moon until now, where we're finally just starting to go to Mars. Obviously, I guess you could say a quick turnaround, but it just seems like, man, yeah. you think that there would be a uh, bigger yeah. than that. So, yeah, and uh, and maybe always, maybe if I literally took five minutes to Google why <laughs> haven't we been back to the moon, yeah. I would read a couple sufficient arguments, and that would be totally fine for me. And whatever, you know, whatever, fine. Um, I, I guess I'd just say that at least in that regard, if that's if that's one of the arguments raised as of right now, I sympathize with it. Um, so it seems like we should have been back, but you know, because we're here, we're talking about Mars, right? And we're talking about we're talking about Mars, and we haven't even been to the moon again in fifty years. So that seems odd. I think, um, I think how crazy it would be to be the first group of people to go to a different planet and land on Mars. What what kind of feeling that would be, man? It'd just I mean, be awesome. It, it'd be probably similar to watching Interstellar. I mean, or maybe a little. <laughs> Why well, go to Mars and you can just watch Interstellar? Ben's <laughs> done that. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Um, you know, the other the other thing too is just like the why, like why of space, right? Like exploration, scientific achievement, the unknown. I mean, the same. Honestly, frankly, um, the same things that have me interested in the underwater world. I, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm just as, but I'm. I'm nearly as interested in um, the oceans as yeah. I am space, just because these are, you know, uncharted bits of ter territory that it seems like have lots of potential for, you know, human expansion. I mean, I I don't think we've done nearly what we could or maybe even should have in the water. I mean, I see no reason yeah. why. I mean, we've got pressurization and all this junk figured out. I see no reason why we don't have <laughs> right frankly underwater communities and stuff like that going on right now i i, I would love to see that so I, think I was i think it was i was listening to joe rogan and he said something like like space is right here on earth it's in our oceans like there's some crazy stuff in there that we just yeah. don't know about yeah like why are we 100 more <laughs> yeah so i'm you know i'm for anything that just you know again it's i can't help it there's something i just have that bug there's something in me that has that excitement about adventure and achievement and the unknown i you know i i do i just have that sort of adventure bug that um is is really uh really cool so what's, I like what's funny though i find the ocean kind of fascinating too i like looking up cool stuff about it but ocean terrifies me to death like mm -hmm. yeah it freaks me out i don't like i'll go like swimming at the beach or whatever i will never go on a cruise ship like i just i stay oh, keep really? the ocean. yeah really I'm not, so I'm not terrified of drowning i would say it's an irrational fear i would just rather not be on the water but when it comes wow. to space, I said, hey like you're gonna go on a rocket tomorrow you might die like you're going to mars i'd be like you know what sign me up like might as well really no oh, fear that's no fear of that super fascinating. I, I think it's because i think there's something about just not being able to see 
what the heck is in the water? <laughs> like you're right there and who the heck knows oh, what's yeah. in there. Just yeah, something about that just kind of exactly. So anyway, good stuff. Um, so yeah, I just made a little um I'll just go through this quickly. I just kind of list that on some some of my favorite stories set in space or at least about mm. space. Um, I'm not gonna talk about each of them really much, just um great stories I think that everyone should watch or read. Uh Interstellar, uh number one, just a fantastic movie. Dune. Um oh, the, man. another great one. It doesn't take place as much in space, but um just a great sci-fi movie. And I kind of categorize it as fantasy as well. Um Alien. Did you ever watch the Alien movie? Or is that too no, far for you? Okay. No. That's a that's another good one. And then my last one, uh, Deep Impact. Even though it's not about space, it's uh kind of space related. Deep Impact is a great one. Yeah, hundred percent. I love Deep Impact. I think we talked about this before. I I uh <clears throat> underrated. Um I, I think it's highly underrated. Yeah, I think it lives in the shadow of Armageddon. Yeah. Um and uh but I love Armageddon though as well. Yep. Uh, definitely for me it's Apollo thirteen, um, Armageddon. I, th- I think I'm uh, definitely going to put, uh, frankly, I'm going to steal two of yours, Dune and Deep Impact. Um, Dune was phenomenal. I mean, so now, great. Good. I've only so seen, good. I've only seen like the new, like I've had people tell me, and these are just, you know, whatever. I've had people tell me that um, the old version was better. I don't think most people okay. share that. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> most people would agree with that. Um, but I just, loved what they did with this is. new dude um and i'm i'm so pumped for more so people I, have kind yeah. of said and i kind of hope it won't i don't think it'll ever give up to this but people are saying it's kind of like the like the lord of the rings of this day where there's because you know, there's this is gonna yeah. be part one and part two and then there's other books but there's basically six main books that herbert wrote in the series and so they're saying like keep making the adaptions of it and kind of be like the big thing of our you know kind of generation which i'd be for there's just they're so good absolutely absolutely i'm excited for that um and then i think i would have to say uh and this is a little bit of a different one um but we're gonna watch it next week space cowboys is actually one of my very favorite space movies now it's a comedy of course but it's also a drama um and i think space cowboys is just a fantastic uh movie so anyway so uh, those are my top space movies for for sure awesome good i think that kind of wraps up the space uh yeah at least for the general yeah yeah you know thank you for uh if you like getting down i think steve and i probably a lot of times prefer getting down to the nitty-gritty topics and really kind of going over some hard thoughts to you know tangle with and i'm kind of looking at different points for that um but sometimes these general topics one help us just kind of get refreshed and kind of get going with not having to think too much about it and then also sets the stage for um, going deeper into these topics. So we're just getting started and uh, we're not yeah. slowing down anytime soon. So thanks for the yeah. hanging on for the ride. 100%, 100%. Uh, stories of the week. Um, yeah. I think you've gone first the last few times, so I'll take it away first. You take it time. away. Take it and, away. Uh, and, uh, and then we'll let you carry us into the sunset. So um, mine is just this concept of budgeting your budgeting your, your tasks. So uh, story time. Um, I love budgeting. I, this is another thing that I think me and Alex both love for different reasons and using different tools and stuff, yeah. but I am a, um, huge personal finance nerd and, um, the, the big, 
thing though for me is I'm a, I am specifically a zero-based budgeting nerd. And this is because I like dealing with reality, right? So right, most budgeting is based on theory. I like to budget based on reality. What is actually in the bank account? Where does it need to go before I get paid the next time, et cetera? And um, so what, what this introduces is a concept of scarcity, okay? Scarcity is an acknowledgement that your resources are finite, okay? You do not have unlimited resources. And the thing is, this is true with money. It's also true with time. And it's actually more true with time than money because uh, more money can be achieved uh, and acquired. Uh, more time uh, cannot. Um, it, it, in some cases, it, it, it can, um, but not, not ultimately. Nobody can, nobody can actually buy more time. You can just substitute your time for other things. And so needless to say, it's very important to deal with the reality of the fact that there really only are 24 hours in a sun rotation day, okay, on, on earth. And so we have to deal with that. We have to live within those confines, okay? And so I like to budget my tasks. And this is something that I've sort of always wanted to do, uh, but frankly, it's always been too hard. Like I've, I've, I've already got, right, like my, my project management, tool and then i was using a digital or not a digital but a a actual physical planner and i'm like well i'm not gonna like go through the extra trouble of transferring all of these tasks to my calendar also <laughs> and have them in three do i really need my tasks in three places so i recently ironically ironically i was listening to a budgeting podcast when i was when i was tuned into this app yeah uh but there's an app called sunsama s-u-n-s-a-m-a -A, that is basically and it's not made by the same people or anything but it basically does exactly what my paper planner my physical planner did in terms of the way that you go through weekly planning and weekly reviews and setting your goals and and objectives for the week and things like that um but it does it digitally and it's, um, it, again, it just honors the very same principles of the physical planner that I use, even though it wasn't made by the same people. And I thought, you know, what the heck? I've been saving up money for my annual renewal for the planner subscription anyway. It's literally just as much. It's the same amount of money, you know, only give or take a few dollars to upgrade to this app. So I'm going to try it out. So I gave it the 14-day trial a shake, and I ended up buying it because it has been absolutely game-changing for me. It's really incredible. Basically, I can... In my to-dos that are set up in my project management system automatically flow into this planner uh, app, actually via a calendar, but whatever, they get into the system. And then what I do is, is it takes you through this whole process each morning of, of arranging your tasks and placing them um, on the calendar. And so you have to deal with the reality of how much time you think something is going to take versus how much it actually takes and actually sticking within those boundaries of time that you have. Um, so anyway, it's been a total game changer for me. So if you are somebody who struggles with getting stuff done, think about um, a tool like Sansama uh, that can help you budget your tasks and sort of deal with that scarcity. That's cool. Uh, you, you've told me before a couple at different organization um, apps and tools to use, and I've always like wanted to try them. Uh, and I never have. <laughs> I just stick to a very simple like Excel spreadsheet, punch in by hour when I'm doing that week and then call it good. And, uh, that's a nerd. Such maybe, maybe there's a better way to do it. Maybe your way, but, uh, 
I don't know. I think I might stick with my simplistic uh, Excel spreadsheet hour by hour. Man, man, it's no. I mean, you know, if you if that works for you, you know, great. For for me, the the trouble with me is I I really want to try not to do um double tasking as much as possible. But there is a legitimate difference, and actually, this this tool, Sansama, the founder of it, talks about this a lot. Um, your your project management tool is not the same thing as your daily planner. Okay, these are actually two different things. And a lot of people try to shove that functionality together and it doesn't work. They're actually two different things. Um, but the way my setup works now, I've got my project management where my team and my objectives work. And yes, that does mean in some cases I'm actually crossing off a to-do item in two separate places. Yeah. Double satisfaction as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, so, I, so yes, I do have to do that. Uh, but I was doing that in my physical planner anyway. It's just now I don't have the extra work of transferring it into a physical thing. It sort of just automatically shows up mm. in the digital space. And now I have that with me at all times on my phone and whatever, so I can look at it wherever. So if you're somebody who is just interested in using technology as a way to assist with being able to plan your days and be more effective, um, then, hey, I mean, I say I say do it. And, you know, you're in a case, again, where you're working solo. You know, you're not really necessarily working with a team where you have to get all your, you know, to-dos and everything punched in. Well, I say that assumingly. I, I don't really know what your work life is like in terms of that stuff, if you guys use a project management system or anything. Um, but I, I digress. The spreadsheet, I'm sure, would work fine for some people, but not everybody is a total spreadsheet nerd like you are, Alex. So I don't I don't know that it's feasible for everybody, but. That's true. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> leave it at that. All right. What's up? What's up with your stories? Man. Okay. That's so I am really cheating today because there's just, I've actually, now that I'm into my job and I got a grid schedule now, I've actually been able to take a breather and actually enjoy some like good shows and like yeah, actually enjoy some time. So um, I'm going to get through just a couple recommendations really quick. So I watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um, I don't think I covered this yet here. I no. So. Anyway. So if you like Nicolas Cage, I'm not a Nicolas Cage nerd. There's people that know more about his movies and more familiar with them than I am. But I, I am a fan. Um, and it's a great movie. It's just a great Nicolas Cage movie. Um, so, wait, really wait, 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 wait. I had to stop you. I had to stop you. Are, okay. are you are you an like an actual Nicolas Cage fan or are you a make fun of Nicolas Cage because he's Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage fan. What kind no, of fan? I actually, I actually think that, um, he, when he takes on a role, even if it's crazy and wacko, um, he like gives a hundred percent of himself to that role and he makes it like unique to, I don't, he doesn't just take a, a role willy nilly and just kind of go for it. It's like, Oh, I'm Nicolas Cage, whatever. Like he takes his acting seriously. And so I really actually am a fan of, um, him really giving it his utmost on, on each role that he takes. So I actually agree. Uh, and I, yeah, so awesome, I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to uh, derail you. you know, no, you're fine. You're the fine. Story podcast. Yeah. Um, I actually don't know what the story is on why it's, why it's a thing to make fun of Nicolas Cage. I think, I think maybe he had some bad roles maybe along the way. That, were, I, but yeah. I don't know what it, I don't know what it was, but like Con Air, Gone in sixty seconds, National yeah. Treasure. These are some of my favorite movies, and I think Nicolas Cage does a. Oh, uh, there's another one. It might just be called God. Um, there's another one that he does that 
I think they're, I thought they were absolutely great. He's in like objectively at least a half a dozen amazing movies that everyone pretty, uh, Face Off is a great one too. And then I also like Guarding Tess. There's probably actually 10. Guarding Tess. Guarding yes. Tess is so good. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I love that movie. Yeah. There are arguably close to 10 movies he's in that are just flat out good. Um, that like yeah. people, unless like you were actually really dislike Nicolas Cage, you think are good movies. And, um, and then, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess he got to some Rocky movies and some like slower parts or whatever that didn't really fit for him. And then before kind of my time looking into media stuff, I guess he just kind of was a little bit weird to like off camera, like in his personal life that kind of made him, you know, a little bit of a, you know, not as, um, easier to digest than like someone like Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt or something like that. And so, uh, just some little, and so I think a little bit of that, but yeah, it's like a thing where it's like, oh, do you like Nicolas Cage or do you just like him because he's Nick Cage? It's a, it's a really weird thing, but no, I really yeah. like Nick Cage and this movie is, uh, um, it's really funny. So anyway, it's great. Um, yeah. So wait, wait. So, so actually, did, were you going to like share anything about the movie? I derailed you, and I'm not I, sure that you actually said anything about. The I wasn't. Movie. I was going to go through these kind of quickly. I, I will say. Oh, okay. So it is a it is not a documentary, but it is a movie where Nick Cage plays himself, Nick Cage, and in the movie he is washed up. Um, family stuff isn't going well. <laughs> oh, oh no! You know, is have you have you really never heard of this movie? Ah, uh, no, uh, you know, I okay. I actually I, do think I I'm, have. It's I'm gonna ringing a bell. I'm gonna read the synopsis then because it's so great. Like if you ever want to watch, wait, I'll watch wait, it. Wait, is it? Wait, does it make fun of Nick Cage because he's Nick Cage and people make fun of Nick Cage being Nick Cage? Is it a meta? Is it? Is that what the Dude, movie is? It is so good. In the same movie, it pokes a couple jabs at him, but at the same time, it is a perfect um, tribute to how great he is. It, it does both. Really? Well. It is an amazing, it is an amazing movie. It is so good. Um, but here's what it's about. Unfulfilled and facing financial ruin, actor Nick Cage accepts a $1 million offer to attend a wealthy fan's birthday party. Things take a wildly unexpected turn when a CIA operative recruits Cage for an unusual mission. Taking on the role of a lifetime, he soon finds himself channeling his most iconic and beloved characters to save himself and his loved ones. Dude, it is, it is incredible. Where do I watch this? How can I watch this? Right, Where? right, right over here, big guy. You just come right over here, and I'll take care of it. You've got <laughs> it. You've I'm got sure it. I, you can stream it all places. We just honestly rented it from Redbox when uh, Brooks' parents were visiting, and we watched it that way. Um, maybe that'll be my movie pick after we watch uh, yours. <laughs> It's so good. Wait, this says, this can't be right. This says a tomato meter score of 100%. That can't be right. Uh, like what, what's, right. The, what's the user tomato rating? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't, I think, I, think, I, had to, I think, it's on IMDb. I think even uh, that is still really high. Let's see. Um, it's got an 86. 86 credit, 87. 86, 86 that, and 87. That's actually that not, but I mean, that's that makes sense. good. That makes sense to me, especially with a movie that's actually quite focused. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like this movie is not going to appeal to everyone to have that high of a score. Um, it is good. It is really good. Wow. This is crazy. It'll I can't be, wait. It'll be oh, a one night for us, Steve. It's really good. Absolutely. So if you like your okay. age or even if you just like, kind of interested it's a great movie um anyway moving along i finally uh, finished uh the uh 
the final season, the series finale to This Is Us, and it um, it was uh, incredible. Um, it was just it exceeded all my expectations. So if you like drama, kind of like true to life stuff, this is definitely a great pick. Um, the whole series is great, and it finished off in a perfect way. Great writing and great way to finish a story. Um, and then my real, I guess, kind of true story of the week: uh, the James uh, Webb Space Telescope. Steve and I were looking at pictures of this this week. Um, I actually can't spit off all the details on the telescope, but it's the most recent telescope um, used to take, you know, um, really detailed pictures of the universe. And I think it took this image in a span of, oh, I forget what it was. I forget if it was a couple weeks or, or a couple days or a month. It was a short time frame, whereas the Hubble telescope would have to take several, several weeks. I think maybe even like, a few months focused on a certain area to really get a picture down. This one did it super quick and it has detailed, um, like in the one photo, like detailed galaxies, you know, closer galaxies to us. And then if you zoom in, you can just see hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of specks further in the distance of other galaxies and other stuff just further out in space. And it was just a, uh, man, this is really cool to see just how much is out there. Um, just really interesting. Absolutely. Oh man, love it. Space, man. It's all space. You gotta love it. Yes, you do. Super good. Oh man. Okay. Well, hey, uh, are we good? Are we, are we, yeah, I think we're good, right? I think we're good. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Sweet, dude. All right. Well, it's been fun, everyone. Thanks for listening to our banter. If you listen around for this long, yeah, if you stick around for these, oh boy, story of the week, um, we need to get like, a t shirt for you. We need we need to get a t shirt for you because you are a true believer, my friend. Yes, that uh, is is super legit, uh, super fun that we get to do this and talk and people listen. So, um, fantastic! Well, like, share, rate, subscribe, all those cool things that you can do. Tell your uh, friends. Tell your friends. That is the same thing as sharing. I hear, and sharing is caring. So well, share. sh- sharing verbally is might be better than sharing with a click of a button. This is true. Yes. Um, this is this is a good point. Um, word of mouth is how podcasts usually spread. So it'd be super, super good if you would do that. And uh, otherwise, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for being a listener. See ya.